And I want you to understand today, this is what we want to learn today, is that through our spiritual life, there are times, not because we've necessarily done anything wrong, but just the passage of time and the process of time, we begin to lose our edge. And as a result, whatever we're trying to do becomes a whole lot more difficult and takes a lot more effort and a lot more strength, and we feel like something is wrong. Using a dull axe requires more physical effort and more time to cut down the same number of trees as using a well-sharpened one. And time spent sharpening the axe is not wasted time. Every believer, can I say that again? Every believer loses the edge in his or her life from time to time. And we find ourselves, rather than depending on the sharpness of the Spirit, having to go on our own strength. And it makes us increasingly dull, ineffective, and even dangerous when we're working without our edge. And today, the point that I want to make to you very clearly as throughout this service, is that declaring a spiritual fast, time of fasting, is one of the greatest means of interrupting the dulling effects of life's routine and regaining your spiritual edge. You've got to regain the edge to prepare the way for you to accomplish much more through the power of the Holy Ghost than you could with your own limited strength. I'll just make it plain to you. Through the passage of time, through events of life, through the things of this world and the lusts and the desires of the flesh, it takes away the sharpness and keenness that we have in spiritual things. And then we find ourselves trying to live for God through our effort instead of through the power of the Spirit. We have been warned in the Word of God that it's not God's will that what was started in the Spirit be accomplished in the flesh. But that's what happens when we start out with that keen edge spiritually and we lose our edge and then we're trying to thump through this thing through our own effort and our own strength. I want to tell you today... Praise God. That the thing that you need to do is not try harder and not grit your teeth more and square your jaw more and try to be more effective and try to work harder for God. What you need to do is get your spiritual edge back. And when you get your edge back, that which seemed impossible is now going to be possible. And that which seemed difficult is going to be much more simple. Amen. When you get your edge back. Now, there are three things that you use when you're going to sharpen an axe. There are three elements to it. You, first of all, use this thing called the grind. That's what happens first. The first part is the grind. This is what takes the big chunks and the big edges off and wears it down and files it down so that you can have an edge. I don't know if you can see, but where I, from where I am, I can see that there are chunks missing from this edge, maybe where it hit a root or hit uh, something hard or a stone or a rock, and it's lost some of its edge. So the first part is to take the grind. Now, anybody who has ever fasted for more than a day know what I'm talking about when I talk about the grind of fasting. It's rough. Guess what? It's not supposed to be easy. It's intended to be rough. Why? Because it's knocking away some things that have to be knocked out of the way in order for us to get our edge back. So the first tool is the grind that breaks away the rough part. And then after the grind comes the second part, which is the smooth stone or the whetstone that takes and further refines and gets down a little bit deeper and makes the edge just a little bit more keen. And then the final tool that you use when sharpening the axe is you get an, a rag and you put oil in it and you begin to 
go over that freshly sharpened surface. And what that does is that gets rid of the shavings and the fragments and the dirt. There are three tools to get your edge back with an axe. And I want to tell you that there are three tools to get your edge back spiritually. You want to know what they are? I think you already know what they are. It's not real complex, and you don't have to have a Ph.D. or an MDiv to understand what it takes to get your spiritual edge back. It takes prayer, fasting, and the Word of God to get your spiritual edge back. I'll say it again. It takes prayer, times of focused, concentrated prayer. It takes spiritual fasting, and it takes getting back into the Word of God to get your fine edge back so that God can use you in the way that He desires to use you. If you agree with that, put your hands together right now. I like that it said you got to get the shavings and the dirt out. Some junk out. Last week we talked about molting, the importance of releasing some things, some things that have to be gotten rid of. You've got to get rid of some dirt. Everybody say, turn to your neighbor, say, get rid of your dirt. That's part of the process of getting rid so that your effectiveness can rise. What's dirt? Well, let's use an acronym D I R T. What's D? D is disobedience. When you start to fast and pray and read the Word of God, you begin to recognize disobedience in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. You start to recognize, hey man, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing what I want to do. Like he said, it's all about me. And when you start fasting, praying, reading the Word of God, you begin to recognize areas of disobedience in your life things that you didn't even recognize before. And then you got an I. I is ignorance. Ignorance. That means zeal without knowledge. I'd hate to have to try to chop down a tree with an axe without the head on it. That would be ignorant, you know? Because I could work hard at it and I could have great intentions. But if I'm just there expending effort, whacking away at the tree, that tree's... Can we agree that tree is not going to come down? It doesn't matter if I whack on that thing all day long. I can have the best intentions. I can work hard. But when you begin to read the Word of God, when you begin to pray and when you begin to fast, God begins to reveal areas in your life that are making you ineffective. Attitudes, mindsets, approaches that despite your good intentions and your zeal are making it impossible for you to succeed. You've got to remove the dirt. Disobedience, ignorance, rebellion. Rebellion is just a step deeper than disobedience. Rebellion says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, hey, we're all trying to chop this tree down. No, I want to chop this tree over here down. Okay. (laughs) That's rebellion. That is self-will. And that rebellion against God, against his word, against his authority is something that has to be removed in order to get your edge back. Come on, somebody. Praise God. How many believe that's true? Now, I know you know, I know you understand that dirt doesn't spell D-I-R, but there's also a T, and letter T is the tongue. Uh. Fasting, prayer, and the Word of God helps you bring your tongue under control. Amen. There's a lot of areas where the tongue makes, makes life miserable for you. When you speak evil against a brother when you speak negative things. But today, what I'd like to focus on right now just for a second is speaking unbelief and doubt. When you pray, when you fast, when you read the Word of God, you learn, my tongue is getting me into trouble. I'm talking myself into bad situations. Because whatever you speak, you're going to follow it. Your tongue is the rudder. What does the rudder do? The rudder directs the ship. And if I want misery in my life, then I talk miserable. But if I want victory in my life, I've got to learn to speak victoriously. 
that negative talking is part of the dirt that needs to be wiped out so that you can get your edge back. Come on, somebody. God's given you tools. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You can get your edge back. Praise God. Through prayer, reading the Bible again. Amen? And spiritual fasting. These things work together just like the woodman's tools used in sharpening the axe. He mentioned on the screen there, if Jesus could have done his work without fasting, then why did he fast? If fasting was such a big part of Jesus' life, why is it not a part of our life as well? Because there is a place of power and anointing that we can never experience without being led into the wilderness, coming away from everything else to seek God in prayer and fasting. And you say, well, God doesn't have to lead me to a wilderness. I'm in the middle of a wilderness in my life right now. Don't fret about it. Maybe God led you there on purpose because good things happen in the wilderness. You can regain your edge. Somebody hear me right now. You can regain your edge in the wilderness. Now, I know I've... In my life, I face things before, and it stresses me out and puts pressure on me. And when I'm stressed out and there's a lot of pressure on me, it drives me to my knees. Anybody else like me? And you find yourself really praying about something because the turmoil, the stress, the pressure, the storm. And you're in there praying, and you realize, this is what God wanted me to do. And it took the storm to get me on my knees. But while I'm on my knees, I'm getting my edge back. (laughs) While I'm back in the prayer place every day, I'm getting my edge back. When I get back to my pattern of fasting regularly, I get my edge back. If I get my one-year Bible out and start going through day by day again, I can get my edge back. Come on. God has great things that he wants to do in our church. There is a revival that God wants to send here. And the greatest thing that we can do, the greatest thing that we can do, I'm glad for the organization that we're uh, coming under. And I'm glad for the events that are going to happen upcoming. But the greatest thing that you can do is get your edge back because God wants to use you greatly in this coming year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like sharpening an axe, fasting is a short season that produces a lasting effect. Stories told of two lumberjacks, a young guy and an older guy. The young guy wanted to prove how good he was and how effectively he could cut down trees. He challenged the older lumberjack. Let's see who can cut down the most trees in one day. I believe I can beat you. And so they took their axes And they begin to chop and chop and chop down trees. The young man, young, rippling muscles, full of energy, teeming with excitement, chopped down tree after tree after tree after tree. The old man worked there chopping down trees as well. And when they got to the end, they counted up the number of trees that fell. And much to the surprise of the younger man, the older gentleman had a little bit of an edge on him and fell more trees than he did. The exasperated young man shook his head and said, how in the world did you beat me? You're older than me, and I also noticed that every once in a while, throughout the day, you would stop and take a break. I never took a break. I just kept chopping all day, yet you beat me. The guy said, the older gentleman said, well, that was because... While I was taking a break, I was sharpening my edge again. And so when I got back to chopping, the trees fell faster. Let me remind you once again that time spent and effort put into getting your edge back is not wasted time and it's not wasted effort, but it's going to enable God's anointing to flow through you in a greater measure than you've ever experienced before. So if you're tired of dull church 
or a cold, dry, barren relationship with Jesus Christ, it's time to regain the edge. It's time to declare a spiritual fast. I'm just reminding you today, what we're doing this week is not an exercise in futility, but you're going to feel your strength come back. Some of you are going to feel your joy come back. You may not feel it right when you're having your caffeine withdrawal headaches in the next week when we start on that, or you may not feel it when you're sitting at home bored to tears and just itching to get on the laptop, but I promise you that as you start, listen, here's what I want you to do. The time that you would have spent with your computer You have nothing else to read but the Word of God or spiritually encouraging reading material. Something's going to happen inside of you. Something's going to change. I give it about two or three days, and you're going to start to feel something transform. I give it about two or three days, and some of you are going to say, I'm going to get off Facebook for a whole couple months because I'm tired of the way it makes me feel when I get on there and get off of there. Come on, someone. Amen. Something is going to begin to change in you as you say, I'm not going to click it on. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to surf. But during that time, you you realize how much time you spend doing that? Especially some of you younger folks, some of the older folks. What are you talking about? Amen. Just like Brother Ben, his grandson texts him, sends him a text message. He refuses to text him back. He said, I want to hear your voice. Amen. I understand that. Praise God. But the younger generation becomes so absorbed, so wrapped up in social media, in entertainment, that before long, listen to me, it doesn't take long, and you start to adopt the attitude, the mindset, the values of whatever it is you're watching whatever it is you're reading, whatever it is you're absorbing. So what happens? If you're doing all this and not reading the Word of God, you're not going to have a biblical worldview, and you're not going to have biblical values. You're going to have a worldly worldview, and you're going to have worldly values without saying, I want to have worldly values. I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. It just happens naturally because you're exposed to the mentality and the mindset of this world. So what are we doing? We're pulling away from it. We're going into the wilderness. We're getting alone with God for a little bit. Why? Because the edge on our relationship with God, the edge on our effectiveness in the kingdom needs to be sharpened. Amen. It needs to be prepared for the work that God has called for me. Fasting is not a requirement. It's a choice. This is something you decide to do. A choice to break out of the routine and to draw close to God. It's a short season that releases long-term rewards like taking time to sharpen the axe before you cut down the tree. Amen. Now, the story we read in Scripture, I'll just mention it briefly, the story of Elisha who had these young men that followed him. They were referred to as the sons of the prophets and they ran out of living space so they wanted to build a larger dorm room. And so they went out and they began to chop down trees for this task. They were going to build new, larger living quarters. There was a young man that was working with a borrowed axe, and his axe head fell into the muddy Jordan River. He was devastated because it was a borrowed axe, and he was powerless to regain his edge. He sat there with the axe handle in his hand and said to himself, it's gone forever. I want you to listen to this right now. Some of you, the devil has convinced you that that old edge that you used to have in spiritual things, that old passion and fire, oh God, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now, that used to burn in your spirit is out of sight, out of reach, and you can never reclaim it that you have lost your edge and you might as well give up on you. This is a lie from the devil, but it's so easy to believe that your anointing and your purpose and your dream and your family and your lost children, are they ever going to come back? Is it all gone forever? But I want to tell you that you can get your edge back. God can still make the iron swim. God can still 
give you back what life has taken from you. Amen. you got to have faith and believe that this fast this next week is not just a, something we're doing as a church, so I'm going to cooperate, but I'm going to get my edge back. I'm going to believe the word of the Lord that says I can feel the anointing once again like I felt the anointing. I can sense the voice of God again like I used to sense the voice of God. I can lay hands on sick people again, and they'll recover just like God used to use me. Come on, someone right here right now. God hasn't taken his gifting or calling away from you. You just lost your edge, but the edge isn't gone forever. There is supernatural power through prayer and fasting and the word of God for you to get your edge back. Well, if you've lost your edge, first of all, you've got to recognize that you've lost it. You've got to be willing to admit, I'm just kind of doing this on my own now, and I don't feel my health. I don't feel spiritually inclined. The flesh has won the battle. I'm still coming to church. I'm still believing for my salvation. But if you'd ask me face to face and get in my face and look at me eye to eye, Pastor, I'd have to tell you, Pastor, I've lost my edge. If you're willing to do that, that's a good first step towards getting your edge back realizing I need some help. I need God's help. I need to be restored and renewed and refreshed in God's spirit. Amen. Going through religious motions day after day after day, that's no way to live. It's not God's plan. Confess it. Get somebody to pray with you and go on a spiritual fast and get back in the word of God. I'm telling you there's no new answer coming. There's no new way. Amen. I'm not going to be able to come with a good enough sermon, make you laugh a lot, and rub your belly. Oh, this is great. Oh, he's such a good preacher. It's not going to work. It's not going to get your edge back. You're going to have to take some initiative. You're going to have to stop and pull away and say, I'm going to push back the plate. I'm going to do this media fast. I'm going to do the Daniel fast. I'm going to do the total fast as the time comes, as it's called, but not just because the church is doing it and not just because it's a routine, but I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm going to let him get that edge, amen, back in me. I'm going to let him get the grind on me and the whetstone and the oil and take and make me everything that God intended for me to be. It's not just about you. When you lose your edge, it affects other people too. Amen. Passion is transferred. You transfer it to your kids. You transfer it to your people. A lack of passion is also transferable. You transfer it to people you're trying to reach, trying to minister to. You transfer it to your children and those that are around you. It's important to get your edge back, not just for you, but for your family, for your friends, for those around you, for those that you want to reach. Amen. Praise God. Remember when you were first saved? Remember that passion? That's the edge I'm talking about. Remember when you wanted to pray and that's about all you wanted to do? That's the edge that I'm talking about. Remember, come on somebody, remember when you believed God for anything, you just say, man, I believe it. God said it, I believe it. That's the edge I'm talking about. God wants to bring that back, but you've got to cooperate with God and say, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. I'm going to get out of my routine for a little bit and I'm going to get out the grinding stone. I'm going to get in prayer. I'm going to get in fasting and I'm going to get in the word of God and get my edge back. Getting the trash out. It happens physically. Did you know that a Daniel fast or a total fast has a purging effect on your physical body? You release toxins. Your body is purged. We uh, um, started the Daniel fast last week, and Pastor Amato and I were teasing one another. We said, we're eating like the Rosses this week. <laughs> but it just felt so good after a while, after my headache was finished, to understand my caffeine detox took place, that my body, there are definitely physical, positive physical benefits to fasting. But at the same time that the trash is coming out of your physical system, the same time that fasting is cleansing your body of toxins, it is also cleansing you spiritually 
as well. It's a time to take out the trash. It's a time to get off the dirt, and it's a time to clean up. Amen. There's a battle going on between your flesh and your spirit. Did you know that? Some of us forget about that. You know why we forget about it? Because we just gave up. It's like, go ahead, flesh, do your thing. And we don't realize it, that we've lost our edge and we're losing the battle, the spiritual battle. That's where, our, where we're losing effectiveness. It's where we're not succeeding in the kingdom of God. You have three enemies, Satan, the world, and the flesh. And when you begin to fast and pray and read the Bible, you war against these enemies and you begin to get victory. Sometimes we lose our edge because of sin, but fasting and prayer can help you end addictions. Are you listening to me right now? Tobacco, drugs, alcohol, pornography, secret sins that you have in your life, fasting and prayer can give you victory over these sins. Can I get an amen if you believe what I'm telling you right now? These same sins that have caused you to lose your edge, your effectiveness, your fire, your excitement, and your passion, prayer and fasting can help these sins be removed so that you can get your edge back. I want to promise you right now that there is power through prayer and fasting to find these victories in your life because these sins will clog the pipeline of future blessings in your life. Man, I wish you knew how valuable this information is right now. The bad habits and the sins in your life are clogging the pipeline of God's blessings for your life. It's clogged up. And you, anybody ever had a clogged pipe before in your house? Nothing goes down, nothing goes down. Nothing's going down, nothing's coming down in your life because there's sin perhaps that's clogged up. But prayer and fasting, I know I'm beating a, a dead horse here, but prayer and fasting is the drainer, is the liquid fire is what we used to sell in the hardware store I worked at when I was in high school, liquid fire. You don't touch that stuff, you'll burn your finger off. But you pour it down your drain and it's going to disseminate and destroy. It's going to destroy the clog, whatever it is that's got things clogged up. This is what fasting and prayer does, that God's blessings can flow, that God's favor can flow, that you can get your edge back. And this is what time, it's time for right now, church. As a church, I feel a spirit of revival that's backed up on this church. I feel a spirit of blessing that's backed up on your family. And this time of prayer and fasting, you're going to begin to see the flow again. You're going to begin to feel the anointing again. story of my little girl. We tried everything because this eczema was making her life miserable. It was all over her body. Her eyes would swell up. She was allergic to everything, itching all the time, a miserable little baby. And my wife was fit to be tied. She had tried everything. It was stressing her out, putting to the edge. We had prayed. We'd asked God. We brought her forward for prayer. We had uh, tried topical, internal treatments, everything that we could. And we could not get any kind of progress. But we called a church fast. I remember it. I was living in the old house in Glendora. I remember it was seven miserable days of grind. But I remember on day six when I went in and I picked up my little girl out of her crib and I looked over her. Her entire body and there was not one little spot of eczema on her body and from that day forward see she still got eczema it'll show up on her finger it'll show up on the back of her leg but there was a victory that was won there was blessing that was released Many of you there were there on the, on the sidelines watching with me as God began to open doors the last year and a half. 
God began to open doors. God began to make connections. God began to create opportunities for us. Where has this church, where this church was one year ago, where it is today, it's night and day difference. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now that I attribute it by faith. I attribute it to the fact that there were a group of people that for about six months, five to six months, Sister Becky, you were one of them, that would meet there at the old campus at Life Church every morning. Amen. Many of them were there five mornings a week for an hour praying together. And then th what was happening? We were getting our edge back. And we didn't even see the miracle or the victory or the outbreak happen during that time because sometimes, hallelujah, our prayers sizzle in heaven for a while. I want to remind you again the power of your prayer. I want to remind you again it makes a difference. I want to remind you again it will get you your edge back and make you more effective at what God has called you. God has called you to do. Amen. Fasting cleans out. Let's the anointing flow. Fasting makes you sensitive to the trash that tries to invade your life. When you lose your edge, you don't even recognize when carnality is heaping up in your life. When you lose your edge, you don't even realize when fleshly appetites are getting out of control. When you lose your edge, you don't even realize it when you're falling head over heels in love with the world and its entertainment and its philosophy and its theory of life. But when you get to praying and reading your Bible and fasting, all of a sudden you wake up and realize, I've let a lot of trash into my life in the last little bit, and it's time to clean out the temple. Hallelujah. It's time to clean out the temple. Amen. You know what some of you need to do? Some of you need to get rid of your televisions. You understand what I'm saying? You know why? Because you watch filth. You've lost your edge, and you allow all this thing to pour into your spirit, and you wonder why you don't feel close to God. Some of you, amen, some of you need to get a filter on your computer. Amen. Some of you need to take some steps to make sure that this trash is not invading your life. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm not. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. God's called me to be your pastor, your shepherd. Amen. To warn you. Amen. And I think it'd be important for many of you to evaluate the trash that you're letting invade your life. Well, how do I do that? Fast, pray, and read your Bible. And all of a sudden you'll start saying, you know what, I shouldn't be watching this. I've got to call the cable company and say, I don't want those premium channels. Am I talking your language now? Amen. There's a limit to what I'm going to rent. There's a limit to what I'm going to download. There's a limit to what I'm going to stream. Come on, somebody. I'm talking right now about cleanup time, getting your edge back. I'm talking about somebody that's serious about revival. I, I'm talking about people that are serious. <laughs> seeing the world change and seeing the power of God poured out every time we gather together on a Sunday. Hallelujah, fasting and prayer helps you get your sensitivity back toward the things of God. Amen. Praise God. So I encourage you to invite God to begin a demolition in your life, to tear down who you were so that you can become who you were meant to be. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip through a lot of my notes here, but I want to just share this concept with you. Here's one powerful thing that happens with fasting is it teaches you how to tell yourself no. It teaches you how to tell yourself no. Just read this statement here. Fasting builds confidence and gives endurance. Fasting and prayer prepares and conditions your spirit to go the distance in life's battles. When you make a decision to obey God, there's going to be a time when that is tested. When I was a young man, I made a decision. I'm never going to touch alcohol because I believe it will defile me. There was a time I made a decision. I'm not going to touch a cigarette because I believe it's unhealthy. It defiles the temple. 
there was a time I made a decision that I am going, when I marry, when I get married, I'm going to be a virgin. I made that decision. But let me tell you, each of those decisions are long-term decisions. It's not like for the next five minutes or for the next 20 minutes or for the next two hours. It's about saying, I'm going to do this and determining that I'm going to do it. Let me make a, make a point to you about fasting. Some of you say, well, I'm going to fast for seven days. You get three days into it and you're like, oh, I feel good. That's good. That's enough. You missed the point. You missed the lesson. You need to decide beforehand what you're going to do and then say, God, help me do this. I've made up my mind. Now, don't get crazy and say, I'm, I'm going to fast with no food and water for 30 days. You're going to die. Sorry. But realistically, say, I'm going to do this and then follow through. You know what you're doing? You're teaching yourself to say no. You're teaching yourself endurance to obey and do what you said you were going to do. Make a commitment. Amen. Some people... Uh, make a commitment at a certain point in their life. I'm not going to do this again. You know what gives you the strength to do that? When you go on a seven-day fast and when you go to day number three and everything, anybody ever done this before? You start your fast on Sunday and then Monday, the boss says, I'm taking everybody out for lunch. And then they come back from lunch. It's Mrs. So-and-so's birthday. We brought in a cake. But you've got to make your decision when you're in your right mind, not when you're hungry and starving. And that's the problem with so many people. They make one decision, and then when the conditions change, they change their opinion. You've got to do what you decided to do when you were in your right man and follow through with it. And it's going to put something in your spirit that enables you to do that in your life as well. When you have convictions, when you obey God, it's not your gifts and talents that make you special. It's your obedience to God and your willingness to follow through. And this is a powerful thing about fasting. It teaches you to tell yourself no. Because whenever you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Come on, someone. Whenever you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Whenever you say no to something that appeals to your flesh, you're saying yes to favor and blessing and anointing. And this long-haul conviction of living for God and staying right with God, you learn how to do that by fasting and taking three days, taking seven days, and committing to do what you said you were going to do. And it's not for me. It's not for me. I'm not getting any benefit from it. It's not from anybody else, and it's not a requirement. It's a choice, but when you do it, it puts something into the fiber of your spirit that you can't get any other way. It puts a determination and a consistency and a follow-through and an ability and the courage, hallelujah, amen, to tell yourself no. Daniel did it. He resisted the delicacies of the king. He said, let's put ourselves in Daniel's shoes. Sometimes we read Bible stories and we're thinking, oh, that's fine back then. Pulse and water, vegetables and water, no big deal. No, they got the king's meats and delicacies and fancy pastries. And he said, I'm not sure whether some of that meat's been offered to idols or not, so I'm not going to eat of it. And what did he do? He said, just give me veggies and water. And Daniel inspired the other guys that were with him, said, let's all do it together. And they did it together for 10 days, nothing but vegetables and water, and they stood up and they followed through. And it gave those other young men courage that when they were challenged again to bow down to the false god, they had learned how to say no to themselves and how not to just fit in with everything around them and how to be distinct and different. Amen, somebody. And walk the narrow path of biblical direction in a world that was pressuring them on every side. Pressuring them. It's going to happen. Come on now. When you get a conviction, it's going to be challenged. I'll say it again. You get a conviction, it's going to be challenged. It's going to be a whole lot easier just to say, ah, it's no big deal. I'll just take one bite of cake. It's not going to hurt anything. You know what I'm talking about during your fast? Oh, it won't matter if I just have one cheese fry and then I'll be back on the fast. By saying no, you're teaching yourself in the greater arena of life 
that when your convictions are challenged, you can say no and say yes to God's word, to God's favor, and to God's plan. Is somebody listening with me and hearing me with me right now? Thank God. Thank God. The final thing I want to mention to you is that hunger attracts hunger. Hunger attracts Acts chapter number 10, Cornelius was hungry for God. And Peter was one that was praying on the rooftop. And something happened. One man was seeking and one man had the answer. Fasting helps you come into alignment with the things God desires to do in your life for you and through you. There are such a thing as kingdom connections. When you pray, prayer plugs us into God's plans, God's resources, and God's power for divinely orchestrated connections. Let me just say this here. There are people all over this city that are praying, but it's not what you would expect. It's not religious people. It's not righteous people. It's not saved people. It's not spiritual people but it's the little girl whose loved one just abused her and he's leaving her. And she says, God, if you're real, please help this stuff. It's the prayer of the drunkard who's about to pass out. said, Jesus, I'm so sick of this and I want to be changed and I want something different to happen in my life. I want to tell you right now that those prayers are being sent up fasting and praying, God creates divine connections. Divine rendezvous or coming together with people who are spiritually in tune, who get their edge back, and people in the community, in your family, all around that are hungry for God. They've been crying out to God. Cornelius had been praying. He had been crying out to God. And Peter was sensitive to God. And God put a person with a need in connection with someone that had the answer to the need. And I want to tell you that by your prayer and fasting, God is going to put you in situations where where you are plugged into God's purpose and his anointing is directing you into intersections and connections with people who are number one going to bless your life but number two you're going to bless their life with the truth and the word. Real simple. When you're praying and fasting you're connected and God's directing and these intersections are going to happen. When you're not praying and fasting, it's not going to happen. You're just obtuse, wandering around, bumping into things. Let me tell you right now that there is an edge of anointing. There is, my God, of a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, revival church that when we're praying and when we're fasting and when we're believing God and when we're getting into the Word of the Lord again that puts us in contact with people that have needs. I wonder if we could stand together right now in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As the Spirit leads, fast from food, fast from entertainment, so that you can focus in on doing the will of God. Cornelius was not born again, but he was hungry for God. His prayers were sizzling in heaven. And I just have a feeling that there's a lot of prayers, my God, of people who are really wanting God that are sizzling in heaven. My mind goes back to my, mind goes back to my high school days. There was a young lady. Some of you are connected with her on Facebook. She's a good friend of mine. We went to high school together. She was a young lady that went to a very traditional denominational church. And uh, I went to school with her. She was an awesome person, one of the greatest personalities. She was voted best disposition in her high school class. Just a great person named Shelly. 
Shelly Hayes, not Shelly Hayden. And she was just, went to a denominational church. We became friends. And I'll never forget, I'll never, 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 never forget as a 19-year-old young man looking back through the doors and seeing Shelly Hayes walk into the church. And I'll never forget on her very first sermon, this young lady who had it all together, cheerleader, lots of friends, boyfriend, all that, came running to the front, cried out to God, was filled with the Holy Spirit, gave her life to the Lord, was baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And she told me, she said, she said, what you don't know is the backstory. Is that I was so hungry for more of God. Well, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised with people doing Christianity the way they thought it was supposed to be done. I didn't know truth. I'd never heard it. But I was hungry for God. And I used to come in our little church where we attended after the service. He would give a call, an altar call for people to walk the aisle, and I would come up to the front. And I would kneel down at the altar, and I would weep. And the pastor would come to me and say, Shelly, what's the matter? I mean, everything's okay. Are you feeling like you're not forgiven? Do you have feelings of guilt? She's like, no, I just feel there's something inside me that says there is something more than this. And I want what God has for me. I, I want what's real. Listen to me. Listen to the preacher right now. There are hundreds and thousands of people in our region that have prayed those kinds of prayers. There are hundreds and thousands of broken people in our region that have prayed prayers that have, because of abuse, because of hurt, because of habits that they can't break, because of issues in their life, because of families that are torn apart, because their kids are out of control, because their marriage is being decimated, and they're crying out to God. They're crying out for something real. If they could have just walked in here about an hour ago while the power of God was falling, they would have known immediately, this is what I've been looking for. They're all over the place, and their prayers are sizzling in heaven right now. And God is waiting for some people that know the answer to decide that I've had enough of this world and what it can bring. I don't want to see another movie. And I don't want to watch another basketball game. And I don't want to just feed my flesh endlessly. But God, I'm going to pull away for a while. Hallelujah. And I'm going to get close to you because I believe that if I get close to you, then I become sensitive to you. And I get connected for divine interactions. Saul on the road to Damascus the light came in his eyes he was blinded, he was led and there on the other side of town was a man named Ananias Saul fasted for three days Ananias was a godly man and his hunger met the hunger of Saul Saul became the apostle Paul after Ananias showed mercy to him and mentored him. Don't think it's just an accident. Those that are sensitive to God are going to be plugged in to opportunities. Those that get their edge back spiritually, God's going to begin to open doors for you. Some of you know I'm telling you the truth because you've been there before. Some of you are going to have to take my word for it. But this getting sensitive to God. And, it, and the next uh, two and a half weeks, I'm not going to tell you right now. Just, just I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to feel close to God while you're fasting. In fact, for a while, your hunger is going to begin to roar. <clears throat> Physical hunger. It's going to rattle you. Oh, but then a little while later, you'll notice that it begins to decline. And in its place begins to rise spiritual hunger. Hunger for spiritual things. And my prayer is that somehow in the spirit realm, that your physical hunger while you fast, your flesh quest, 
while you fast. To be connected with somebody who's hungry for God. And that there are souls that are going to be one to the kingdom. I speak with confidence right now. Souls that are going to be brought to God. Not because you're so cute. Not because you know all the right things to say. But because you're getting your edge back. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could just gather together for a moment before we leave here. I know time got away with us from us today. But I feel the touch of God in this place real special right now. Please understand that I'm not advocating today that you pull away from the regular things of life and just become a hermit in, in a constant state of shikamoshai, whatever you want to call it. But I'm talking about when the Spirit leads you to pull away. And this is what's happening right now. I feel the Spirit speaking. You know, because obviously the lumberjack has to stop sharpening and get to chopping. But it's understanding that sometimes you got to stop chopping and get to sharpening. And that's where I feel right now in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to stop chopping for a little bit. It's time to say, okay, God, I'm just pulling away for a while. You do away with media, you're going to find time, boom, like that. There's going to be time, time, time. Thank you, Jesus, for time. And it's going to happen. Mm, I feel I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. I, I just want us to pray together right now before we leave. We're just all across this place. I want you to pray with one another because the Holy Spirit is doing something in our midst and He is directing our steps right now as a church. Lord Jesus, I pray for this church family right now. I pray for this diverse group of members, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultural tendencies. But I pray in the name of Jesus that as members of the body of Christ called together, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the churches right now. Somebody's got an ear and God's speaking to you. <laughs> Somebody's got an ear and you're hearing right now that God's calling you to a place of anointing, to a place of spiritual connection, to a place of refreshing. Jesus, I pray for each family, Lord. I pray for every individual, Lord God, that as they make these steps of faith, that you would give them the courage and the strength to stay strong, Lord God to follow through, Lord Jesus, and to emerge victoriously. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now. Why don't we lift up our hands to the Lord right now as he begins to sing, as we begin to worship the Lord together. Just feel the Spirit here moving. Hallelujah. Oh, I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. Sell. 
Word of God tells us in his scripture that God 
could not consume an altar that was empty. He could not consume an altar that didn't have anything on there. And that tells us that the fire from heaven doesn't fall on an altar without a sacrifice. And so I'm going to dedicate, and I pray that we as a church would dedicate, if we want the fire from heaven to fall, I'm going to offer a sacrifice, amen, on the altar of God. The fire doesn't come without sacrifice. So whatever you need to do, amen, to sacrifice, whatever you need to do for the fire to fall, we encourage you to do it. It's time to get your edge back, Life Church, amen. And as we pray together, as we, as we dismiss, amen, uh, from this time of gathering, that you would, before you dismiss yourself, before you leave, that you make some commitments and you say, there's some things I'm going to change to get my edge back because I want the fire from heaven to fall. Hallelujah. And I want God to consume something in my life. I want God to give me something. Hallelujah. But he can't do that unless I present a sacrifice on the altar. Who's going to do that with me? Who's going to do that, amen, and say, I'm willing to do that? The fire won't fall without sacrifice. Hallelujah. Pray that prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I give you my all. pray if you're still praying, amen, and if not, greet one another, love one another, and let's march on together and let him do something greater in our lives. Life Church, we love you, and we know that we cannot do this without you, man. Thank you so much, amen, for being sensitive to today and what God had in store. Can we give Jesus Christ, before you leave, give him a hand clap of praise and thank him for what you felt. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you on Tuesday. And for those who are volunteers at Life Church, we shall see you later on today at our SALT leadership and training meeting at 3 p.m. God bless.